Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome to another special release of Investor Stories. On this installment, the experts discuss a startup that they did not invest in, why they passed, and if there was a key learning that now informs their approach. Here's the segment called Why I Passed. On today's special segment, we have Jason Heltzer of Origin Ventures. Jason, can you tell me about an investment that you're very interested in, but you ultimately passed, and why you decided to pass? I'll talk about FeedBurner. You know, I looked at FeedBurner earlier in my career, and uh, I met with Dick Costello, who uh, became CEO of Twitter, as, uh, as we all know. They were just getting publishers ramped up. And at the time, their main strategy was, look, we're going to have these RSS feeds and we're going to be able to push advertising through them. Most people use different reader software to look at RSS feeds. And most of the readers were text-based. It's about just basically plunging a bunch of headlines in front of you and clicking on what looked interesting. I was very skeptical of the ability to put advertising through. The publishers ultimately wanted to convert RSS. They were using RSS feeds to bring traffic back to their websites where they knew how to monetize. So I, I looked at that and said, I don't see how it's going to get to revenue. But I fundamentally missed how that company was building value. And the way it was building value was building these relationships with publishers. I mean, they, I don't know how many they eventually wound up. You know, they were eventually acquired by Google for $100 million. Yep. Um, but you know, they, they had probably thousands of publishers, and they had great publishers. And they also really were instrumental in making RSS a true standard. Both of those things had incredible value, you know, not to mention a really good engineering team. I didn't see that. I didn't play that out. And, you know, ultimately, advertising was not a way they made money, or it's certainly not a way they made a ton of money. I could look back and say, well, I was right about that. But it's like saying, you know, I was right about 10% of something, but wrong about 90. You know, you can't, it's like going to Las Vegas and saying, well, I'm, I'm really up uh, in the last three hours today <laughs> and yesterday from two to five. It, you, you can't pick and choose like that. And uh, so, you know, ultimately that was a, su- a successful business. And I think, look, you can't just ignore revenue and in a business model and say, well, you know, the value could be created by eyeballs and traffic. You know, we, we learned in the late nineties, we learned even in, in the late, in a 2007, eight, nine timeframe that you can't build on that, but there are ways to create true strategic value through partnerships, relationship with customers, you know, I think Grubhub demonstrated that with the relationship with restaurants, with the data that it, it, that it achieved with delivery circumferences that no one else had, that they, they got menu data no one else had. You know, those are really, really valuable things that don't necessarily show revenue immediately that you have to be able to extrapolate and see 
is a company later on going to pay strategic value for this? And that's something that I've certainly changed since the FeedBurner deal to look at things more holistically. On today's special segment, we have Sergio Guerreri of Tech Coast Angels. Sergio, can you tell us about a situation where you were very interested, but ultimately you passed on an investment? And can you talk about why you passed and if it was the right decision? So I'd like to go back to the company, Retrosense Therapeutics. They're based in Ann Harbor, Michigan. They're developing gene therapy to restore vision in patients that are blinded because of retinitis pigmentosa. So the company came to TCA about a year ago, and they were relatively late in the round. Technically speaking, I was just not fast enough making a decision because sometimes that's reality. Sometimes you can take all the time you want. Sometimes you have to be quick and be willing to take the risk with the information you have. So the result was actually the same. So basically, I missed the opportunity. So I don't really regret that decision because it was the best decision I could make at that time based on the information I had. So I wish I had a little more time, but I didn't. The reality is that, again, the reason why we invest as part of a network is because we have a lot of expertise, right? So we have maybe spine surgeons, plastic surgeons in the audience. We have physicians. We have breast cancer surgeons. Well, unfortunately, we didn't have any retina specialists within TCA when the company came. And so given my role, I want to make sure I had the proper diligence on the company. So it took for me about six weeks or so to understand well enough the technical and the clinical risk, which, of course, at that time were perceived to be really substantial. By the time I got comfortable, because I had to educate myself in the space, which, by the way, is very interesting. And that's part of the reason why I do TCA investment, because it's an excuse for me to read a lot and to educate myself about <laughs> areas that I've never been involved in, right? So That's why I do the show. Yes. Again, intellectually, is very rewarding because you get to learn things that maybe been on your mind for many years, but you never had a chance to get involved. So reality is just, uh, I took about six weeks or so. And by the time I got comfortable, it was just simply too late that the round was on the way to closing and then I kind of missed my chance. So hopefully there will be a future opportunity, but I don't regret it. I just wish them the best. And I think they're doing well now and hopefully they'll come back to TCA at some point in the future. Because again, these companies will keep going. It will need more money, as I said before. And sometimes it's not that they need more money because the company is not doing well. The company is still doing well, but again, things change. And based on circumstances, there is a need for loan. It might be at a higher price, right? So that's what you pay for. When you miss your chance, you might have another opportunity in the future, but most likely it's going to be at the higher cost. But that's fine. Again, that's part of the game, right? It's part of the risk versus reward. Well, and the next one that comes through the funnel that's got a similar profile, I'm sure you'll be able to act with more speed. Well, you just need to be comfortable. It's not about speed for me. You just need to be comfortable. If you have all the information you need within a week or two, I have no problem making a decision. However, don't rush. So that would be maybe my advice. Don't rush if you don't really fully understand the risk because eventually you're going to get it. Eventually you're going to regret it because you need to be very aware, very conscious. And you need to be comfortable because you want to sleep at night, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's my number one priority. Even if I made a decision that the time sounded good and then the company didn't make it, I did my best. I'm comfortable with the risk. I'm comfortable with losing that investment. That's why you need the whole portfolio. You can't really count on one single investment. You need to build a portfolio because if one doesn't make it, it's okay. It's part of it. I mean, you should expect it. So, And you still want to be able to sleep at night even when a company goes down. 
maybe you'll miss one night of sleep <laughs> but no more than that <laughs> at this point if you're a vc you've heard of carta you've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform it feels like every new company is using carta and there's already 16,000 vc backed companies on the platform they also offer tools and services for vcs like fund administration Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. In this special segment, we have Mamoon Hamid of the Social Plus Capital Partnership. Mamoon, can you tell us a story about a startup that you chose not to invest in, why it was that you passed, and if there was a key learning that now informs your approach? Yeah, so it's a good question. It's always a great one. It actually, it changes over time. And, you know, I remember early on in my uh, venture career, um, I had a chance to do the Series A uh, in Yelp, which was started by a good friend of mine, Jeremy Stoppelman. And it's always a, a blend of you work within a firm and in a firm, there are lots of decision makers, not just one. So even if you, let's say, wanted to do an investment, uh, there might be others you have to convince. So in that case, I probably didn't do a good enough job convincing my partners that we should have done the deal, <laughs> even though I became personally involved with Yelp because I, my firm at the time, USP, didn't do it. But more recently at Social Capital, we've uh, unfortunately missed opportunity to invest in, in Uber probably about two and a half years ago. And I remember the the weekend when we were discussing the investment and it was really a short fuse because it was literally a weekend to decide whether we wanted to invest or not. This is still when Uber was a black car service company and gross margins were negative in, in its first city in San Francisco and really got hung up on market size and the TAM and as well as the margins. And without thinking of it in terms of sort of what it has become, which is it fulfills a basic human need of transportation, and it's gone obviously down market, and uh, which again at the time UberX didn't exist. So one could rationalize we didn't have enough information to make a good decision, but you know uh, that's definitely one where you look back and say, man, we missed a big one. Is it typically a business where there's one thing that stands out, like total market size, TAM, or another metric that causes you to pass? Yeah, I think it's in consumer businesses. A lot of times, like in this on-demand economy, it's a lot of times it's gross margins where you you're spending a lot of money to to grow to you know build that city by city. Uh, like in the case of a, like a Groupon, a Living Social, you had to go city by city. It was a lot of manual, a lot of people to be hired. In the case of Uber, same thing. Or there's a, a lot of companies like even Instacart or DoorDash are going city by city. Lots of capital raised to just sort of stamp out the footprint. And there it's a lot about gross margins and that's where you tend to get hung up. And I would say it all is well 
in an environment like this where you can continue to raise money, any blip in the markets uh, for any of these companies and you could be really be toast. And, you know, I think a company like Uber is really set because of the, the war chest. But uh, I think this is a topic du jour in Silicon Valley is the crazy burn rates. But some of these companies will be caught red-handed when the music stops. Obviously, not you know, wish for that, but it can certainly happen. And, you know, it's actually kind of happened in the e-commerce space where there's a lot of funding for e-commerce startups over the course of the last decade. And I think we sort of publicly know about Fab and we know about things like uh, uh, Gilt, which is a, still a good company, but it, it was poised for greatness five years ago. And it, even in those companies, it was gross margins, like e-commerce, it boils down to, is it really just a one to two times revenue business? And these companies being valued at 90% gross margin business, which they're not. That will wrap up this installment of Investor Stories. Head over to thefullratchet.net to leave a comment, sign up for the newsletter, or find resources discussed on any of the episodes. Until next time, remember to over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for listening.